Microsoft Story Classic, bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. Mildred at Home, Episode 5 The sweetest of May mornings, the sun shines brightly in a sky of heavenly blue, wherein floats soft, fleecy clouds of snowy whiteness, casting faint shadows now here, now there, over the landscape. The forest trees have donned their spring robes of tender green, and at their feet the earth is carpeted with grass, spangled with myriads of lovely wild flowers of varied hues. The air is redolent of their sweet breath, and vocal with the songs of the birds in the treetops, and all the pleasant sounds of rural life. Everything seems so bright, so fresh and new, that Anna says the stage rolls rapidly onward, bringing her every moment nearer home, is almost wild with delight, while the older members of the party, if less demonstrative, are scarcely less happy. They counted the mouths as those at home were counting the hours and the minutes. The journey from Philadelphia to northern Indiana was far more tedious and wearisome in those days than it is now, and they were tired enough of travel to be glad to reach their journey's end. Rest would be delightful, but it was the thought of home and dear ones that constituted their chief joy. The stage was due in Pleasant Plains just at noon, and today, having no hindrance from bad weather or bad roads, arrived punctually to the minute. The mail was dropped at the post office, a passenger at the hotel. To lawyer Keith's next, queried the driver, bending down from his high seat to bestow a roguish look and smile upon the impatient Annis. Yes, Dr. Landris said, we all belong there. The stage was sweeping on again, before he had half finished his sentence. In another minute it drew up at the gate, and oh, the greetings, the embraces that followed, the happy laughter, the looks of love, the tears of joy. For to the younger ones the separation had seemed very long, as, indeed, so far as Miss Stanhope was concerned, it really had been. The mutual affection of herself and niece was like that of mother and daughter, and they had not seen each other's faces for more than ten years. All the family loved the old lady, and she came in for her full share of the joyous welcome. Zilla was there with her husband and babe, and Ada had her betrothed by her side. They sat down to dinner together, a large and happy party, most of them more disposed for conversation, however, than for doing justice to the fair upon which Celestia Anne had expended much thought and skill. She was still with Mrs. Keith, devotedly attached to her and the whole family, and no one had bestowed a heartier hug upon Annis, Mildred, or even Aunt Wealthy, than this somewhat forward but very warm-hearted maiden. You don't none owe oh ye eat half as much as you daughter, considering what a side o' trouble I took a getting up this dinner, she grumbled, as she waited on the table. I remembered all your likings, Miss Millie's, and Miss Stanhope's and Annis's, and done my best to follow em all. 
I broiled the chickens and smashed the taters and took a side o' pains with the pies and puddings, but you don't none o' you seem to precipitate it thous. It's done there, for here I'm a carrying out your plates half full every time. That's because we have been so bountifully helped, said Mildred. Father has heaped my plate with enough for two or three meals. So you mustn't feel hurt, Celestian, for I assure you I find your cookery delicious. So do I, said Annis. I haven't tasted as good since we left the oats. A chorus of complimentary remarks followed from the rest of the company, and Celestian's wounded vanity was appeased. Then, Dr. Landreth remarked, looking across the table at her, I think you are the worst delinquent of all of us. You have eaten scarcely anything, and I suspect it is no new thing, for you have grown thin since I saw you last. Father says it's because I'm growing so fast, Fan said, blushing with embarrassment as she felt that all eyes were turning upon her. It's springtime, too, and that is apt to make one lose appetite and strength. I dare say you need change, remarked Annis wisely. You see how well and strong I am. Don't you wish now you'd gone south with us? No, I wouldn't have missed the nice time I've had with Mother for anything, returned Fan, her eyes seeking her mother's face with a look of fond affection. Mrs. Keith's answering smile was very sweet. Yes, she said, Fan and I have had a very pleasant, happy time together, and now with all our dear ones restored, glancing fondly from Annis to Mildred and Aunt Wealthy, we shall be happier than ever. Home's a good place, remarked Don, pushing away his plate and settling himself back in his chair with the air of one whose appetite is fully satisfied, but I, for one, would like to see something of the world. "'Time enough yet, my boy,' remarked Dr. Landreth, laughingly. "'You may well feel thankful that you are not forced out into it now, "'before you are fully prepared for the battle of life.' "'Don looked slightly vexed and impatient. "'Yes,' he said, "'that's the way you all talk. "'It's wait, 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 instead of strike while the iron's hot.' "'What iron?' inquired Mildred with a look half of interest, half of amusement." I want to go to California and dig gold, blurted out the boy, but father and mother won't hear of it, though there's a large party starting from here next week. Oh, Don, what an idea, exclaimed Mildred. I'm glad you can't win consent. I too, said the doctor. Don, if you knew what the life is, you would not want to try it. I have had experience of it, you remember? Who are, who are going from here, asked Mildred. Quite a list of names was given in reply, including those of several of her familiar acquaintance. How will they go? she asked, a look of grave concern coming over her face. Across the plains, answered Rupert, in wagons drawn by ox teams, it can't fail to be a slow and toilsome journey, and a dangerous one as well, added his mother with a depreciating look at Don. Yes, I know, said the but I'm fairly spoiling for a taste of that, mother, he added with a laugh. She shook her head. Ah, my boy, I wish you knew when you were well off. They left the table and flocked into the parlor, but Mrs. Keith drew Dr. Landreth aside and whispered in his ear, sympathizing ear her anxiety in regard to Fan. She described every symptom without reserve, then asked with a look of deep solicitude, what do you think of the case? 
"'You must allow me a little time to study it, mother,' he said. "'But I trust it will prove nothing serious. "'She must have rest, a tonic, a daily walk of such length "'as she can take without undue fatigue and frequent drives. "'Those I can give her as I visit my country patients.' "'Thank you,' she said. "'I have been very impatient for your return on the dear child's account. "'What is that you are talking of, mother?' Mildred asked, joining them. A fan, Milly. She hasn't seemed well for some time, and I have been consulting the doctor about her. Mildred's eyes filled. My darling little sister, she exclaimed. I hope it is nothing serious. She turned an eager, inquiring look upon her husband. We will hope not, Milly, he said cheerfully. As your father says, she is growing fast, and besides, this warm spring weather is apt to cause a feeling of languor. I trust that with tender care and watchfulness we may be able to help her to grow into strong, healthful womanhood. Both mother and sister looked relieved, and presently they rejoined the others. Frank Osborne was just taking leave. He must return to the duties of his charge, and might not see them again for several days. Ada left the room, with her betrothed, for a few last words. When she entered the parlor again, Aunt Wealthy, making room for her on the sofa by her side, asked, "'Are you to be settled near Pleasant Plains, dear?' Adding, "'I hope so, for it would be very hard for you to go far from father and mother, brothers and sisters, and for them to have you do so.' Ada could not answer for a moment, and when she found her voice, it was tremulous with emotion. We do not know yet, Aunt Wealthy, she said. It will be hard to leave home and dear ones, but we are ready and willing to go wherever the Lord may send us. Ada, what do you mean? asked Mildred. Surely Frank has no thought of seeking a foreign field. Can't you give me up if the master calls me away, Milly? asked Ada, taking her sister's hand and pressing it fondly in hers. In that case, I would not dare hold you back, if I could. His claim is far stronger than mine, Mildred said, with emotion. Then the whole story came out, and the matter was discussed in a family council. But they could go no farther than the expression of their opinions and wishes. Frank had already offered himself to the Board of Foreign Missions, and his going depended upon their acceptance or rejection. I hope they'll say no. We think you can find enough to do where you are, said Annis, playfully, but with eyes full of tears, putting her arms around Ada's neck and laying her cheek to hers as she spoke. I'm sure I don't know what we should ever do without you, she went on. I don't like to have you go away, even as far as the country church where Frank preaches now. Well, dear, we won't borrow trouble. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof, Ada said, holding her close and fondly, kissing the rosy cheek. And as thy days, so shall thy strength be, added Mrs. Keith. Our blessed master will never lay upon any of us heavier burden than he gives us strength to bear. No, said Rupert. And now, to turn a pleasanter theme than the possibility of losing Ada, Mildred, don't you want to go and take a look at your new house, you and the doctor, and anybody else that cares to see it? Oh, is it done? cried Anna, suddenly forgetting her grief and loosening her hold of Ada to clap her hands with delight. Yes, all but the papering and painting, replied Rupert. 
I move we all go in a body, said Mildred happily. So many of us. People would stare, objected Fan, with her usual timidity. What manner if they should, laughed Mildred. But it is only a step, and there are very few neighbors near enough to watch our proceedings. And why shouldn't we be independent and do as we please, remarked Don loftily. I vote in the affirmative. Come, let's go. A dozen of us, without counting the babies, murmured Fan, with a little sigh. But she tried on the dainty white muslin sunbonnet her mother handed her, took Don's offered arm, and went with the rest. As they passed from room to room, Mildred's eyes shone with pleasure. The plan of the house was the joint work of herself and husband, embodying their ideas in regard to comfort and convenience. Rupert had been left in charge of the work during their absence and had acquitted himself of the trust to their entire satisfaction. Both returned him with warm thanks, Mildred saying again and again, I am delighted, Rue. You have not forgotten or neglected the least of our wishes. I am very glad it pleases you, Milly, he said with a gratified look. It has been a labor of love to attend to it for you. It is quite done except the work for the papers and painters, is it not? queried Aunt Wealthy. Yes, said the doctor, and we will set the painters at work tomorrow. The papers as soon as our boxes of goods arrive. Thank you for listening to another episode of Acresoft Story Classic.